Welcome to Musicals with Impact, a podcast that is part of the Broadway Refocus Project, exploring Broadway's past with the goal to reshape its future. In each episode, we learn about a new and innovative musical that encompasses BIPOC, transgender, queer, women, disabled, and other underrepresented voices. We celebrate a culture-shifting musical as it begins its journey to the Broadway stage. Musicals with Impact is developed in partnership with New York Theatre Barn, a not-for-profit theater company that incubates original musicals that tell untold stories, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. And now, your host, Spencer Williams, musical theater educator, composer, and playwright. For today's episode, Broadway Refocus is excited to welcome Kira Stone, composer and writer of the new musical, Salem. Salem is a tale about a sisterhood of accused witches and their accusers from the 1692 Salem Witch Trials, as they are held hostage in a modern courtroom. Stone asks the important questions. How did this happen? Why did this happen? And could this happen again? With the songs all set to dark pop melodies and 808 beats, Salem is telling the real story of Kira's eighth great-grandmother. We learn all about this connection to family history, where Salem is at in its development process, and Stone's dreams for the piece in the future on today's episode. Thank you for joining us on Musicals with Impact to explore this important new show focused on women's stories and voices in the musical theater canon. You can learn more about the Broadway Refocus project and curriculum on the Broadway Refocus website. Please share with your family and friends so that we can continue these powerful conversations that uplift new voices and stories for Broadway. And now, Kira on this week's episode. This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. Today, we're really excited to have Kira Stone, composer and book writer of Salem, a new musical. So welcome, Kira. Hi, Spencer. Thank you so much. (laughs) We're so excited to talk to you today about Salem. I have to be honest, I have listened to all of it on SoundCloud like multiple times, which is pretty cool considering like... I have a hard time listening to some Broadway cast album. So why don't we jump in? Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how Salem came about? Yeah, definitely. First of all, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. I really, I didn't come from a musical theater background. I got a BFA in musical theater in college and I auditioned for the musical theater program and I'd never done a musical. I had just loved singing. Bad dancer, never acted. I was like, sweet, I got in. I love singing Wicked. I love In the Heights. I have so much to learn. But I got my BFA in musical theater. And while I was there, I really combined writing with singing and creating the kinds of stories that I wanted to be able to see on stage. So let me see. I'm a Bay Area native like you. And we do have the same alma mater, BYU, 
And I met my husband there and we got married when I was like not even 21. So young. Thankfully, I think it was the absolute right choice for us, which is great. And then three months later, we got pregnant with our daughter unexpectedly. And let's go into full depth with this. We were totally like, oh, we're going to wait a couple of years to have kids. I, full transparency, I had an IUD. My husband is a testicular cancer survivor. We were like, okay, this is going to be probably a task when we want to have kids at some point. And three months in, we were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but she's the best. Her name's Scarlett. She's two and a half. And back about two years ago, when she was born, I really started honing in on the kinds of stories I wanted to tell. I was like, I have a daughter and I want to give her the example that you can do what you feel called to do in your life as well as have a family and they edify each other and they uplift each other. And I especially found this new fire inside of me to create the kinds of stories that I wanted her to see on stage, reflective of strong female characters that are accessible to everybody and people in circumstances that they find themselves that are difficult, that rise to the occasion, even with flaws and struggles and imperfections. I think that's really important. And so I started curating my list of topics that really excited me. And, and I kept coming back to Salem Witch Trials and I was like, okay, this is drawing me in in such a way where I don't even understand it. I poured so much time into research, like three or four months of reading thick biographies and documentaries. I went to Salem, I walked on the grounds and I, I spent the day there just by myself. And it was the most like electrifying experience physically and emotionally. And I didn't quite understand why I was so affected by it, but I just knew I have to tell this story. And so I came back and I, I had written just the opening number, which is still the opening number. And then I was doing more research after I was back from Salem about two weeks after. And I weirdly decided to go on family history and just check some stuff out, which is not common for me. But prior to this, I was like, ugh, family history, that's the most boring thing on the planet. Like, and I love my ancestors, but I was like, that's just not, I'm not going to do that. But I was just curious to see, to just check on it. And I found out very quickly that my eighth great grandmother was one of the 14 women that was hung in the Salem witch trials. Direct descendant. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I'm her eighth great granddaughter and her name's Susanna North Martin. She's in my show. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It all became very clear. And I wrote the rest of the show, the first draft in about three and a half, four months after that point. And it was like, all I could think about, I just ate, slept and drank this show and these stories. And I was like obsessive about it because I was like, this is not only something I hugely care about, but it's part of my ancestry. It's in my blood. I feel such a visceral connection to it. And I didn't understand why. And it makes a lot of sense now. So this is kind of the origin story of my beginning working on these kinds of projects that just light my soul on fire and make me so excited and passionate to continue and to multiply and make these kinds of stories the forefront of my work. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm like trying to process all of that. I mean, first, I love that your daughter inspired this because I do think, you know, this is one of the reasons why 
I've created this podcast is I have a son who's six and a half and mm -hmm. I want him to know that there's other stories out there and in different ways and being told in different ways. So I totally get that. Then the second part why I was thinking is that, so I wrote a show that's based off my ancestry and I wasn't really into it prior. And then I had the chance to go to Northern Wells and go to the hometown wow. and like go into the church that three greats grandfather built and all oh, the cemetery where his parents were buried from a cholera epidemic. Anyway, so all of that was like, that day was life-changing for me to be mm -hmm. in that space. And then I also lived in Boston and Salem is like one of my favorite places. I think that place is magical. It is. It really is like electric feeling. Yes. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. As a listener, if you have not been to Salem, I highly recommend it. It's not only like this really cute town now, but it's just there's so much history. And I think that history is so important today. I mean, mm -hmm. still seeing so much bias, so much misunderstanding. So mm -hmm. much just, I don't know, just that mass hysteria. Yes. And it's so obviously we're, we're not burning anyone at the stake, but we're kind of doing it in different ways, cancel culture and other ways of not understanding each other. True. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about your eighth great grandma and how that plays into the story. And the story has been told in multiple different ways. So like what's unique about your version and how you're telling this story? So with Salem with my piece, I have constructed it in a way that it takes a group of women that were accused as witches and it kind of transplants them into a modern day courtroom with a judge and then a jury. And our jury is our audience. And we put them through the court process that we see today, but by 1692 rules and regulations of how they actually did it, which is crazy the differences that there are already they would do strip searches in court in front of everybody unbelievable things it's wild but we take us as a jury and an audience through that journey and we see the accompanying accusers that accuse these women as well so we have like girl group on girl group <laughs> and we have our male reigning judge who really represents so much of the patriarchal time that was rampant in the Puritan community and in just America back in the late 1600s. And some of what we still see today. And it's important to me, though, that we make all these characters human and that we empathize with them and that we try to love all of them, even though we see the faults and the hard things and decisions they had to make. So my eighth great grandma is one of these women in the group. And I have kind of posited it as because I sing all of my work, I want to play her. And she's one of the women that goes through this trial process along with a community of some of the other women that were accused. And they all through this process realize that even though they're given this trial altogether, they are not given any sort of a voice. Their story has already been told. Their fate has already been sealed. And about a third of the way through, they're like, that's bullshit. We gotta, we gotta like turn that on its head. And so we kind of go haywire a little bit and, and everything starts to unravel and the accused witches end up turning 
the court on its head and holding the jury and the judge hostage. And it goes roller coaster from there. And I don't want to give away endings and stuff like that, but it kind of takes us for a ride. And I'm really excited about the prospect of this structure for this kind of a show. The concept musical and kind of putting things into a specific setting and fitting them in so that there are rules of a world that we live by is so exciting to me. I think telling narrative form storytelling that is more start to finish and straightforward, that is such a beautiful form. That's one that is, I don't think I'm drawn to as much as creating a specific circumstance and world for this for these characters to live in and the show to be in and the stakes to be high enough in. And so creating kind of the concept of it was one of the funnest parts of just being able to make the rules of this world and how it will operate. Awesome. Now that you're talking about it, I just want to make sure I understand. So is the audience on stage? Are they a part of the jury? Or is it just that the audience is still is kind of watching it through the jury's eyes? Like, how does that play out? Yeah. So, so we, at this point, I, I believe that we have our audience seated just in the normal realm of where audiences seat, whether that's orchestra, mezzanine, all of those places. I think it would be really fun to experiment with placement as well as something that's really exciting to me is before it would get to a place like Broadway, which is would be years in the future, please, we hope. And I, I think doing something site specific would be so interesting. One of the crazy things is they would have their jury, which is just people of the town that they would just pull yeah. off the street. And they would have judges that were also clergy. So they all, it was all connected. There was no separation of church and state, which I think was a huge issue where so much of this stemmed and they would hold all of their trials in their church meeting house too. And so I really want to do a version of this, like in a church. I think that'd be so sick. That's in the coming years as part of our productions. That is like, I want to do that so bad and structuring the stage and wherever the theater, wherever we do it, eventually long-term, I would love for that to be a, a large influence on it. I want it to feel like you're going to church and then it's not going to feel like church at all. But hopefully you still come away from it feeling uplifted and learning something about being better towards other people. And even if it's through learning the hard lessons of other people. Yeah. So it's a female cast with the one judge. Mm -hmm. oh, love that. Yeah. So you've answered a couple of my questions just inherently as we go through this. And, you know, you spoke to this in your original idea about creating shows for your daughter and speaking to different types of things that you want to see on the stage. But why do you feel like this story is so important to 2020 or 2021 or beyond? Yeah, I think the divide that we've seen happen and unravel continuously. And I don't think, unfortunately, with the positive change of this new presidency, I don't think that's going to go away. I think that there's so much repair to be done. There's so much communal suffering that has happened. And the only way to repair that is through community and coming together. And I think art and music specifically has the power to do that like 
almost nothing else. I think that it is unifying. I think regardless of what people think in their minds, they feel similar things in their hearts. And I think that accessing that is really what is going to be a huge change. I think that's going to make a huge difference. I think that the similar themes of like mass hysteria going on with so many elements of of what's going on in our life right now, whether it's pandemic related or race protest related or sexual assault related, everything like that. I know that having a child, you want to raise the child that you love in the best world you possibly can make, you know? And so that is such a huge motivation as well is to create the type of world that I want to raise my family in, that I want to live in. And that's what our responsibility is as artists, I think, is to create the kind of world that we want to live in. Awesome. Yes. And I think those stories can help with, you know, creating empathy on Mm -hmm. multiple different ways and understanding in new ways. Very cool. Where are you at in the development process? Like, I know you've been able to create the demo on SoundCloud and different ways, but it is a fairly new show. So tell us a little bit of where you're at. Yeah, I I really started diving into the research of it about a year and a half ago, about a, a year and two months ago. And then right now I'm on my like third or fourth draft of going through I'm working with an amazing dramaturg. Her name's Jessica Kokoska. She's fantastic. As well as my director, Sarna Lapine, who I love. She's the best. And she's got a really keen mind for this kind of storytelling. This is the first show where I have like specifically just made all the demos myself for in the way of like, I just got Logic and all these MIDI keyboards and mics a year ago. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to pop produce and hip hop produce because that's the kind of music I love. I've recorded in studios. I've done so much with music. It's weird that I don't already know how to do this and I'm going to learn. And so I just taught myself and I had wonderful friends who are fantastic producers give me advice and help me along the way. And so, yeah, now that I'm able to like actually create demos that sound in the direction of where I want the music to be, that has opened up a whole new world to me too. That's made it so like, okay, I feel proud to show these demos and this music and like it is representative of the style that I want the show to be in, which has been a shift from past shows I've worked on. And it's made me all the more passionate about this one, I think. Yeah. On a previous episode, I was talking to someone about how important it is on the demo side to really be able to share what's in your head. Like a lot of times demos come out with a piano and a singer, but like that's not the world necessarily that you have to bring. So that was one of the things that I was excited about that I was listening to because I felt like I could see the world that you are composing and bringing to life. And that was really exciting. That was one of the most exciting parts for me because I got to learn basically how to orchestrate simply and basically, but I was able to orchestrate my own music more fully for the first time. And I, it's so much fun. I just had a blast, like going in and finding all these sick bass sounds that you can just drop in and you're like, Oh, this is going to rattle the stage when it happens. Finding the perfect boombastic kick sound. Oh my gosh. It feels so good. And even though like I will pop out a demo and it's not a full version at the end, I'm like, 
that I like this a lot. Like I feel actually genuinely so excited and really proud of what I'm making, even in its like developmental stage, which was hard for me to say before because I'm such a perfectionist and I really, which I don't think is a great thing, but I have been able to, I think, take it to a further level through this. And so it's been a blast. Cool. Well, I was going to say, and speaking of, let's listen to some of your show. So why don't you introduce the song that we're going to listen to today? Okay. This song is called, I Believe, and it happens about halfway through the show where the women kind of come to the conclusion that the choice that they have is to... I don't want to give too much. Okay, I'll just say it. it's not. It's not that much. Of a, it's not that much of a giveaway. The choice that they're given and the ultimatum they're given by the judges that they can pick one of them that is going to be a sacrificial lamb for all of them, or they all can come together as a pact and sacrifice themselves together. And so we end up having three on three. We're at a stalemate, and half of the women are like. We have to do this together. We can't just send one of us into the gallows, literally. We can't do that and live with ourselves and live with our families after that. And the other three are like, speak for yourself. I have kids at home. I understand, but this is a dire situation and you can't make rules for this type of thing when it comes down to such a life-changing, life-altering decision. Why would we sacrifice six of us if only one is needed? And so... This is them kind of picking their sides in that debate. So here is I Believe from Salem by Kira Stone. I believe the way can never rest. Running, running, running like the rhythm in my chest. I believe in fending for yourself. Eradicate the virus, every woman for herself. Are both villain and the good guy. Pay your bailer, you get out of jail for free. 
so good. <laughs> Thank you. If you saw me like watching this, I'd just like bopping and everything. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you can listen to the entire demo on SoundCloud and you can follow Kira as Kira Stone on SoundCloud. Definitely check it out. And you can also check out her other musicals as well. Before we go today, one of the questions that I love to ask is if there was a producer listening or an artistic director, right? What's that dream that you have? What is that dream that you have for the show of what that step is, like that big step? The next one or like overall? That's I'll a... take both because okay. usually they're a little different, but they're both interesting. Overall, I think my personal little kid dream that still is very much in the forefront of my mind, Broadway, and then continuing on and having a life beyond that. I think creating a story that can exist on multiple platforms and art forms, TV, movie, musical, stage, all of that different stuff is so exciting to me. And really fully realizing it as a brand is exciting to me. Next step, I am really specifically looking at with Sarna 29 hour reads, that kind of thing, as well as in the next couple of years, I would love to do a fully realized concept album of this show specifically with some of my favorite performers and singers in the Broadway community. I think that would be awesome. Shout out also my dream for the judge is Brandon Yuri. I'm putting that out into the universe. Who love knows? Who yeah. Knows? Who knows? Yeah. And this seems like it is at the beginning of my most favorite project I've done. And it, it feels so close to my heart from a familial standpoint, but also I just am really excited about it. I know that sounds dorky, but I just love it. I love to meet and chat with anybody who wants to. It's so fun for me to talk with like-minded theater people like you, Spencer. You're so awesome. Thank oh. you. It's been a privilege to talk about Salem, learn a little bit about its background, connection to your family life. The music definitely has a very unique sound, and I'm excited to hear more of that. So last thing is, how do our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Kira Beth Stone, K-I-R-A Beth Stone. And I also exist normally updating SoundCloud with demos, things like that, and YouTube as well. I'm not on Twitter. I was. Thank goodness that that is out of my life right now because there's some... <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. And then on my website, www.kirabethstone.com. If you want to reach out to me, I love chatting. I love meeting new people. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kira, for being here. And please check out Salem the Musical. Thank you for listening to this episode of Musicals with Impact on Broadway Refocused, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To learn more about the Broadway Refocus Project and its musical theater curriculum, please visit broadwayrefocus.com. You can also join the conversation on Instagram or LinkedIn at Broadway Refocused. 
Thank you to Trevor List, who developed our graphic design, Iranian-American actor Rod Cyrus for their voiceover work, and Spencer Powell for our theme music. Stay tuned for our next episode.